0: Welcome to Kindest Matters, I'm Elise McLaughlin. Connection to our work, colleagues, family and friends is more important than ever. In this podcast, hear personal reflections from the people at Western Health as they navigate working in the demanding hospital environment. You'll also hear the voices of the important people in their lives outside work. In this episode, we meet Sandy Skitter, Director of Education and Learning at Western Health. Sandy's interests in education and transformation started in South Africa, where she grew up and then started her nursing career. Throughout life and career changes, including moving to Australia with her husband and two daughters, Sandy has always supported people in need. It's a legacy of caring that Sandy's father, Graham, says she has passed on to her own daughters. We'll hear from Graham and Sandy's eldest daughter, Karen, later in
1: the episode. First, let's meet Sandy. I have a unique career journey, which I have thoroughly enjoyed to date. Um, So I started off nursing because I wanted to be a midwife. And when I completed midwifery, I really decided it wasn't for me. And I went into corporate where I started my own business I had a business partner and we had a company uh, that was delivering corporate healthcare into large corporate organisations and had a great deal of fun doing that. And then um, we transferred to, we came to Australia to live and I continued that work doing a lot of company mergers in Australia. And then I really missed nursing and there an opportunity came up to do a refresher program and I took it up and I'm so pleased I did because although I love doing what I I was doing, I had this kind of nurse-shaped hole in my heart that wasn't being filled with the other work that I was doing. So getting back into health was just fabulous.
0: I have heard from your team that you've never lost that sense of being a nurse. I think they described it as that innate care of being a nurse. So tell me about that. Is that one of the things that you think you miss that direct contact with patients?
1: Absolutely. So I um, I think uh, delivering care and being in, in a position where you can influence the quality of care that's being delivered has been something that I've really wanted to do and had great opportunities to be able to do it and making decisions around I've got a barometer and on my barometer there are two markings that I use for every single decision I make and that is is the care good enough for my family and also is this best care that we can train the new generation of nurses coming to is this what's going to deliver really good care later on and those are the markings that I use that help me influence every decision I make so it's always about why we we coming to work what's our purpose and delivering the best care that we possibly can
0: and how did you get into education and what excites you about that space
1: So what really excites me is that I'm really into transformation. I really love taking teams, uh, leading teams to deliver exceptional work beyond what they thought was possible. And I saw education as being a vehicle for being able to deliver transformation, particularly in an organisation that's growing, and being able to lead and influence and equip others through education. Where does
0: this passion for learning come from? Have you been in love with learning since a young age
1: I think a lot of it comes from being a you know my home life as a child so my dad was the CEO of an organization that had over 30,000 employees and he constantly studies in fact he's in his 80s and I it was not long ago he had completed another law degree <laughs> so I think that this constant you you um, you have to remain, if you're going to keep working, you have to remain relevant and you remain relevant by keeping up to speed with studying.
0: In a ward environment, there are many demands on staff time and the focus may not always be on education and I imagine that that can be difficult for the educators in your team. How do you advocate for them as they drive the uptake or engagement in education?
1: I see education as a service and we're delivering a service to clinical areas and uptake is going to be improved if the service we're delivering meets the needs of the clinical area at the time. So I think it's important to understand what the clinical needs are in those areas and to design education programs around those needs and to deliver them in a way that's really meaningful and in a way that meets the needs of the clinical area. So sometimes it's one-on-one at a bedside, sometimes it's online in their own time, sometimes it's in small groups, and sometimes it's a whole day away from the clinical area so that they can enjoy the upskilling experience. So I think it's about working with the team and not imposing the service, but working with the team to understand what their needs are and um, meeting their needs in a way that is meaningful.
0: Have you seen improvements in your time at Western Health in that uptake
1: and engagement of education? Yes, so when I came here, we had an education model that was undergrad-focused. And although, though we were supporting the universities, I felt like Western Health staff, uh, clinical staff in clinical areas were missing out. So about 20 months ago, we uh, changed to a preceptorship model and the preceptorship model is that each clinical area has an educator and works with the num, uh, and together they work out what skills are needed in that area. And I think that together with changing the model and also working with educators to upskill themselves created an energy. And the conversation in my department has changed significantly over the past two years. It is really engaging up beat. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of excitement. And I think that some significant goals are being achieved. Throughout Western Health's
0: COVID response, you played an important role in leading the education and upskilling of nurses in the event of a surge. One example of this is the upskilling of more than 200 nursing staff to work with more acute patients. But that seems to be the tip of the iceberg.
1: Yes. Yes. So I thought it was an excellent opportunity for the education team to be able to support the organization to meet search demand if it was required. And what we needed to do was give nurses the confidence to work in higher acuity areas. So that confidence in different areas came through different learning modules. So the universities helped us by uploading some clinical modules for learning. Then we were very fortunate to get a mannequin that could be ventilated. So we had uh, an opportunity to show and tell. And then there were days working in high acuity clinical areas with competencies that needed to be achieved. And I think that together helping nurses who put their hand up and that was the great part. So many people were so keen and we were able to support them in their upskilling. And what we're trying to do now is now that those skills have been shared is to maintain them. So we're currently shooting some videos that we'll put on our learning management systems so that people can refresh and maintain their skills that they've just learned. So that was one component. Then another component was taking the subacute nurses who wanted to work in high acuity areas I think nearly 90 nurses have been working in high acuity areas and also had education study days and opportunities to work in high acuity areas. I know that our education team was also involved in upskilling some doctors to work in an ICU setting through ALS and simulation training. We did a lot of simulation training, for example, taking a patient from ED to ICU that was COVID positive and videoing it and taking the learnings from that so that we were able to share them and it's just been putting on PPE. I think we've trained over 5,000 people to don and doff PPE correctly, and that was a huge undertaking. But with a team that has learned to be really agile uh, to meet the organisational needs, I think that they were very keen. Um, one day I suggested that maybe we help the organisation with donning and doffing education, and the next thing I knew there was a plan in place and thousands were being trained, which was really great.
0: How have you and your team maintained your energy and enthusiasm with all of that going on?
1: Well I think that's a really interesting question because I think the work at work is great but what I'm hearing from my staff is that going home is not the haven of tranquility that it used to be because they're going from one job to another to do homeschooling and I'm seeing only probably last week for the first time some real cracks starting to appear so we have encouraged our staff to take uh, days either side of the weekend to make a long weekend or maybe in the middle of the week to just regroup and refresh now that some schools are starting to open, that maybe their home would become more of a place of tranquility and they can rest and relax because it has been a huge ask. And it's not only COVID. It started off um, with the EMI last year and then it was Joan Kerner and then it was accreditation and then it was COVID. Um, and so now that Um, the training has been done uh, and I feel that it's a good opportunity for him to take a little bit of time and a bit of a breather um, because I'm sure there'll be something else around the corner
0: (laughs) I've heard from your team that they're never in any doubt where they stand with you but you're very fair someone even described you as the best boss they've ever had
1: Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I am fair, but I'm very aware that, uh, of my purpose of coming to work. I've come to work to lead a team to, uh, to deliver exceptional patient care. And, um, and I think education is a service delivery. And the question that I ask at the end of every day is, um, what value did we add today, um, in our, in our work that we've been doing? And, um, I think that, uh, that that never wavers. So it's my focus. I'm always focused on the purpose. And also, I understand that uh, we have a responsibility to make sure that we are influencing at the bedside to deliver exceptional care.
0: Sadly, you've had to lead your team through the deaths of two staff members in the past six months. And this has seen you managing the emotions of the people around you while presumably coping with your own loss.
1: Yes. So um when I was in corporate, I did a postgrad in critical event management um, to help people cope with critical events that happen in their life. So it's not counselling, but it's really uh, a pragmatic approach to the first week of a crisis in somebody's life. And that taught me so much about managing different emotions, different people's expectations, and also understanding that you can have a staff of 90 and there are going to be 90 different responses to what's going on and understanding um, generally who's coping, who needs an ex- extra support. So I think that that has been incredibly valuable for me to help my team through this time. When supporting
0: staff through difficult circumstances or even high workloads, one of the phrases you're known to use with your team is, it's project whatever it takes.
1: Yes. Yes, so um, Mandela from South Africa has an amazing statement saying, "It's it seems impossible until you've done it." And I sometimes we are asking our teams, "All oh, the workload seems impossible," and then afterwards, when we've achieved it, we go, "Wasn't that amazing?" Um, so I, when people are going through difficult times, I just take it, break it down, work out what we can do today, what can wait for tomorrow, and just. chunk chunk it down and I think that that helps enormously because then it doesn't seem so onerous and so enormous and also that some people struggle when the workload is huge and it's about finding skills and tricks and tips that help them to achieve because ultimately when they achieve they're going to have this incredible sense of satisfaction.
0: I also have a saying that's the only way out is through. Yes. And I know some people just don't want to go through the hard stuff but I've always found that once you get to the other side if you wade through yes the feeling is so much better than avoiding just getting through a
1: real sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and I feel it within the team um what we're achieving now compared to what we were achieving two years ago is completely different and so much greater And the fact that they have done it and that I've got such a great team, and that they, and I've been able to really lead them through the transformation of our own department, um, I feel that they have a real sense of accomplishment. And with that comes a a real energy um, that they bring to their role. And I find that um, really valuable and I feel it. In fact, I think they've totally overtaken me.
0: That's usually the goal, isn't it, of a good leader? (laughs) But I imagine too that that accomplishment as a team has probably helped them through these difficult times losing their colleagues.
1: I think we are such a tight-knit team. I think that um, we really feel that we are as strong as our weakest link and um, we support one another to get through difficult times. And um, I think that the support is... Uh, multifaceted it's not only me supporting the team it's my leadership team supporting others sometimes I see others supporting the leadership team and I think that it has created sadly a really cohesive team uh, because we've been through some real struggles um, in the past six months but we have gotten through it Um we will not forget but we um, we really remember and that inspires us to even want to do more and to do it better.
0: It's wonderful. You know your people and are described as a trusted advisor. How important it is for you to know the people in your team and support them?
1: About 10 years ago, I ran an appreciative inquiry in a, um, division. I'm trying to understand what people wanted of all disciplines from their work. And I was expecting to hear, I want more money. I want more days off. I want, and I didn't hear that at all. I heard, I want to be thanked. I want to, I want my name to be remembered. I want to feel accepted. I want to feel valued. And that was an enormous learning for me. I think I knew it, but I didn't know it at such a ground roots level. And I have taken that learning to understand that everybody has the same basic needs. It doesn't matter who you are. You want to know that you're adding value, that you've been accepted, that you're good enough. And so I think my role as the leader of the team is to... Um, know who everybody is and to find out what their giftings are, what they are capable of, and to give them wings to fly. And that is what success looks like for me is when my own team are doing far better than I am.
0: There's also enormous responsibility and energy in leading teams and playing a role in advising staff as you do. As an individual, what do you do to support yourself in your busy working life? And do you have your own trusted advisors or mentors that have played a role in your own career development?
1: Very much. So I think to have a really good uh, support network and friendship group outside of work is really important. And um, uh, and I have been really blessed to have an amazing support group, um, wonderful people who are doing great things, not only in health but a lot outside of health too and um, to understand what they're doing and um, what's new in the workplace. So I've really enjoyed that. Uh, the other thing is um, I, I really have a great supportive family as well. And so I think that um, when you come to work and you've left a home that's very supportive and you come to work, it's very easy to be supportive. And then I just find at Western Health, um, before I moved here two and a half years ago, I phoned a colleague of mine working here and I said, what's it like to work at Western Health? And he said to me, you're going to work really, really hard, you're going to have a great amount of fun, and you're going to be working in a leadership team that has a great can-do attitude, and that is so true. So I find that the environment at Western Health allows me to um, to lead the way that I do, and is very supportive of that. So although I have support groups outside of home, but having um, that support within the organisation as well um, through the executive I think is very, Very important.
0: I hear you're a cricket tragic,
2: Sandy.
0: (laughs) What do you love about cricket? And is that also an important part of your relaxation and life outside hospital?
1: I uh, knew nothing about cricket, but um, we had a busload of Germans uh, in the Kruger National Park in South Africa. And my husband is a cricket tragic, and he was explaining the game to the Germans. And I paid attention. And I have never stopped watching cricket. I absolutely love it. Um, I think what I enjoy about cricket, I also read a lot of biographies of the cricketers and probably the one that uh, I've been most impressed with was Ricky Ponting saying that as a cricket captain, you're leading a team of so many different individuals and you have to, as the leader, find out what makes them tick so that they can contribute incredibly well to the team. So I think that what I enjoy about cricket is it's a great team sport um, and every single person contributing uh, can lead to a win. And it's not about having a team of champions but having a champion team. And I think that that's really what I enjoy about cricket. And uh, I keep the cricket schedule um, in my diary and I know exactly when to record and when to watch.
0: (laughs) And I just love that you've just connected cricket with, you know, identifying the best in people and yes. what you spoke about earlier with your team of finding their giftings. Yes. You know, you've, you, you see that in cricket as well.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: So you're married okay. and you've got two adult daughters. Yes. Um, how have they been coping through the COVID restrictions and have there been any changes to the way that you normally interact as a family?
1: Absolutely. So my eldest daughter is a vet and she will tell you that the PPE has been very, very hard for vets to get hold of um, because uh, hospitals and health services have had priority. So um, she feels very exposed. And uh, so I've only seen her once in the past three months um, because uh, there was a cluster in the area where she works. Um, and then my youngest daughter is an ICU nurse who's been looking after COVID positive patients. So that yeah. has, um, that has, uh, been, uh, really difficult because, um, in this COVID time, my husband became unwell and, um, we did not want to expose him to, um, COVID while he was receiving treatment. So um, it has been incredibly hard, but lots of phone calls, lots of texts, and we did have a get together the other day with uh, some PPE on, and it was just fabulous. We've had some friends come over too recently um, offering support through what we're going through at the moment. And and I just find – I found it really hard uh, not being able to visit in hospitals but really respected what was trying to be achieved, but it wasn't easy, yes.
0: No, I imagine it must have been quite yes. quite difficult. Yes.
1: Um, so when you
0: um, go home from a busy day at Western Health, um, what are the things that you look forward to doing outside of work?
1: So I have two very active dogs and I love to walk them and after a, a big day at work um, I often walk until I've reached my point of peace so, so I take them on a long walk until I've reached and I've totally unpacked my mind um, and I'm able to get back home. Um, uh, the other thing that we absolutely love doing is cycling so um, we do a lot of Cycling the rail trail or round the bay. Um, so, in winter, it's really hard. So, we've got a, a bicycle that doesn't go anywhere in winter that we train on. But um, certainly in um, summer, we get out and we do a lot of cycling.
0: Outside of work, I also hear you spent many years um, providing care and support for vulnerable members of the community, particularly women. Yes. Can you tell us a bit, little bit about your work in that space and what drove you to do that on top of your demanding working life and your family you know, yes, commitments as Yes, so
1: well? um, I grew up with a, a friend of mine and we ended up living in the same street after we were married and had children and uh, she had a little boy that was friendly with my girls and he would ask me if he could come over on a Friday night because his house got broken <laughs> on a Friday night and a um, couple of weeks uh, he had asked me and then I spoke to his mum about it and she told me what was going on at home. And I said, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because it's not something that I'm proud of and I feel ashamed. And I, and I said, and how is it that you're staying in this relationship? She said, where do you go? There's nowhere to go at nine o'clock on a Friday night. And I was astounded. And I think um, I kind of thought on that day how terrible it was would be to be so trapped so we started to offer our home and um we've done that for about 20 years we did a tree change about five years ago and uh, we offer a service into our community um, where we help them with food parcels and a lot of these people are domestic violence our families who have moved away coming to hide in a new environment so just by offering them starter kits Uh, because they very often leave with nothing. So we've got starter kits of kettles, plates, linen, um, mattresses and so on that we just get them going with um, to help them on their feet until they get the right kind of support that they need.
0: Wow, amazing.
1: Um, So what, Sandy, what brings you back to Western Health each day? So I have an amazing team, which I'm really fortunate to lead, and I'm also very keen to um, to improve uh, patient care. I think that's my driver every day. What can we do to improve patient care? And I think working at Western Health right now is such an exciting place to work because it's growing, and I think that education is a an enabler um, that allows the organisation to grow Um and, uh, and I think that I'm really fortunate to be in my role and to be able to influence so many people in different areas.
0: You have such incredible energy commitment by the sound of it. And it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
3: Um, my name's um, Karen Agnew, and I am Sandy Skidder's oldest daughter. Well, we haven't haven't seen each other as much as we usually usually would, um, which has been hard. But we've done FaceTime and and spoken on the phone a lot. Um, but often, yeah, we get together for barbecues and things like that, which which haven't gone ahead. But I'm sure it's the same for all all families across Australia and the world. All in the same boat. She loves you know, like family get-togethers, so one of her favourite things is when we all all get together for a meal and we can chat about our week. Um, also, um, sometimes they come, yeah, mum and dad will drive up to visit um, myself and my husband or my sister, um, but also they've got um, two dogs at home, so often we'll all get together with the dogs and go for a lovely walk, um, and, and yeah, that helps. That brings a smile to her face when she watches her dogs go for a for a run, run through the bush, or yeah, or catch catch up together for family, family events. She lives in this lovely valley, um, and you can yeah, you can go for these beautiful walks. Like and you can go past a lovely um, dam, uh, and one of her one of her favourite things is there's some wedge-tailed eagles out there. And whenever she sees, she's like, can you see it? Can you see it in the clouds? And it's like this tiny little speck. And it just makes her day see yeah, you know, to see the way pale Eagles. But yeah, she loves to walk, and she power walks. Whenever you walk with mom. she walks so fast. And then yeah, she and then she feels better. She's like I'll have my walk, and then she can come in and relax because she's um yeah she's always she's always very busy, like in A to B, she, yeah gets gets lots of things done. Growing up, we'd often have um, women stay with us that were in the process of of leaving. I guess abusive relationships as a a first step, and um, yeah, mum, mom and dad would help equip them so they could, I guess, I guess leave their abusive partners and, and form a new life. And quite a few of those women didn't have any, uh, I guess, additional education. Um, so I always remember growing up, mum, like you know, make sure, make sure that you have a qualification that you can use wherever you go, um, and yeah and it's just it was so nice to see the changes in those women like you'd see them at the start and then a few years later when they'd created a new happy life and um, it, I guess it it helps my sister and I like really choose um amazing partners and husbands in our lives and, and we're always really i guess really vigilant for for, for choosing kind men after um, after all the stories that we grew up with um yeah, and, and yeah, she still she still does that. She still looks after um, women who yeah who get abused and and tries to equip them um, to stand on their own two feet because a lot of them were relying on, solely on their partners for everything. So it's yeah it's 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 yeah it's sad but also exciting to see the the changes that that come with with all of that. If you have a dream or you want to achieve something she never says what's option b or c she's like okay what what have we got to do to do this like what you know what is it going to take for you to go from here to here like what do you need and it's just it's so encouraging um to, to, to always have her in your corner and no matter like, you can ring her in the middle of the night if you're stuck somewhere or if you're in trouble or you want advice and she's always there um so it's always yeah it's been amazing to grow up with that role model especially for uh, for young women to to see other women you know going out there and, and really and doing well but also building a team around her it's, um yeah it's been amazing to watch she's always been really approachable um you can yeah you can discuss anything and even even if you're in trouble she'll she'll always yeah she'll always be there and she won't um yeah, she, that was a whole thing growing up. She, she always wanted to be like, you know, I want to be there. If you ever need me, you just call me. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, so yeah, it's always been good having that. I'm very proud of her and for everything that she's done for our family. And yeah, I just really look up to her. I think she, she's an amazing role model for, for, for young people and, and older people alike. And I'm very, very proud of her
0: and love her a lot. Thank you, Karen. One of the other important figures in Sandy's life is her father, Graham, who lives in South Africa and is now in his 80s. I asked Graham about the importance of learning through every stage of his life and the influence this has had on his daughter. What you are about to hear is not Graham's voice, but these are his words.
2: I am very proud that Sandy gets her love of learning from me but she gets her caring from her mum, who she is very close to. You learn for three reasons. Firstly, because you want to know more. And secondly, to advance in your career. And finally, you owe it to yourself and your organisation to bring current thinking into your role. When I left school at 17, my parents could not afford to send me to university. So I became an article clerk at a law firm and studied for my law degree at night. Studying is a privilege. I studied various law degrees and also studied well after I retired. I came out of retirement to go back into private practice until just a few years ago. I felt I still had a lot to offer. Staying updated with knowledge will always leave you in a good position.
0: Sandy's colleagues say she's never lost being a nurse and that her innate care for a patient shines through in everything she does. Graham shared a memory from Sandy's early days as a nurse that shows this inaction.
2: I will never forget at the beginning of her nursing career. One Christmas Eve, she worked night duty and we were expecting her home for Christmas lunch. She arrived late as one of her patients was terminally ill and she stayed with him until he passed away. That is just who she is. She has also given up years of her leave to come across to South Africa to take care of her mum, which we so appreciate. I know that the legacy of caring and reaching out to others has been passed on to Sandy's daughters. The care they are all delivering during these difficult times is exactly what is needed to support communities. I have great peace knowing that her mum and I are leaving a wonderful legacy behind and it makes us very proud to be her parents and her daughter's grandparents.
0: Thank you for listening to Kindness Matters, presented by Western Health. To connect with us or share your story, you can contact us via the links in the podcast description.